God, we want an experience with you. We want an encounter with you, God. Oh, yeah, Lord. God, we surrender our life to you. We surrender our life to you, God. As we end with this song, let's just begin to lift our hands this morning. Just tell God, tell the Holy Spirit to have your way. God, we want you to have your way in our life. We want, God, for you to just take over. God, we let go of anything that would hold us back, oh God. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that in this atmosphere of worship, in this atmosphere of praise this morning, God, that miracles are taking place. God, that you are turning impossible situations around. God, we thank you, God, that you are an on time God. God, that you know right where we are. You know right what we're dealing with today. God, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that your promises to us that is that you will make a way when there seems to be no way. God, we lift you up. We exalt you because you are greater. You are higher. You are stronger, oh God. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for a turnaround in this nation, oh God. God, in our communities, oh God. God, in our families, Lord Jesus. God, in our personal life. We thank you, God, for turning things around. God, we just give you praise. We give you glory. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would have your way in this place today. God, that as the word comes forth, that it would just penetrate our hearts, oh God. God, that it would bring transformation to us, oh God. God, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. What a beautiful spirit uh, in this place. It's so awesome when we all come in with an with a, uh, uh, attitude to come together and worship the Lord. It just changes things. And um, I'm so excited about what God's doing. Pastor Bev's going to share with us some exciting events we have. And uh, Pastor Erica. Uh, is going to share is um handing out some bulletins so that you could take that with you of things we have coming up. But we are, I just wanted to say we're so glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to Praise Church. We are uh, a church that believes in the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, that it's still alive, amen, and that it still works today. And so we are expecting God to do incredible things, amen. So be blessed. Open up your heart to receive today, amen. Amen. Just a few quick announcements. Um, and they are available, uh, announcements are on our website and on our Facebook pages and those of you in-house they're in the bulletin but we had an amazing ladies unlocked luncheon this past Sunday, uh, Monday it was awesome our next one will be May the 16th so I want you to save the date you know if you can adjust it on your calendar ladies to join us at Mike Anderson's restaurant on Monday May the 16th for one hour from 12 to 1 o'clock it's always a powerful time. Women driven and motivated for success in all aspects of leadership, whether on the workplace as entrepreneurs, whether in ministry or leadership in the home. But we are gonna hit on a lot of uh, topics that will be pertinent, that I believe will be a blessing and inspiration to you. Make plans to come and bring a friend. Those of you living in and around the New Orleans area, or we already have some from this church who said, hey, I wanna come. We're having a luncheon April the 30th at the Hilton Airport in Kenner. That's on a Saturday, and it will be from, I think it's from noon to 2.30. I don't remember the times, but they're online. I did not put them in the bulletin, but I th they're online. You can find those times exactly. And that's always a wonderful time, and it's a little bit different structure. We're not dealing just with leadership principles. We actually have a 
the sermon, altar ministry time. We have fun. We have worship. We have a whole like service that goes on in that specific luncheon. So it's a whole different structure. Looking forward to that. And then July the 15th and 16th is our women's conference. We did decide to bring in a guest speaker this year. And our special guest speaker is Robin Bullock the lady. <laughs> if you follow their ministry, you know they're both named Robin Bullock. But uh, she will be our special guest speaker joining with our team. Last year, we didn't bring in a guest speaker, and it was just explosive. So I'm so excited that we have so many powerful women in our two church campuses that we don't always have to bring in an outside guest speaker because we can carry the whole thing here. But uh, it's always fun and, and more exciting to bring in somebody else with a different revelation and a different word from the Lord. So she will be with us for that, uh, that conference, Unlocked Women's Conference, July 15th and 16th. Remember that Easter is just around the corner. This year, make it a challenge that you don't take the day off and just go to be with somebody else and have your crawfish boil, etc. But use it as an opportunity to get people in the house of God. You know, your week is better when you come together and you're in the presence with other believers and you feel the power of the Spirit. And we would love to have you come. We would love to fill up both of our churches that day, standing room only. That would be so awesome to have that level of opportunity to touch and impact lives. Now, at the close of the service today, um, we have uh, Pastor Garland after his sermon. He's going to turn the service to the A-Bears, and they will be presenting communion Following that, we'll have an opportunity for our tithe and offering. Just as a reminder, there's two times a year in our church and ministry that we receive a special offering. It's, we receive an Easter sacrifice offering above our tithes and offering, and we receive a special one at Christmas. Those are the only two times of the year that we do that. And um, unless God would, you know, give us an opportunity to get a building or something like that, then it would change. You know, that would be amazing. But, uh, and we're believing for that and praying for that. But um, in the meantime, I uh, wanted to let you know what we're doing is right now we only have the capacity to stream our services live from this location. And we have been able to raise the money and purchase most of the equipment that is needed for us to be able to stream from our New Orleans campus. Any of you who've ever been in ministry or spoken, even if it wasn't in a ministry service, it might have been that you were speaking in uh, uh, and sharing at a business corporate meeting. But you'll know that... Each audience and each time you share, you might have the same notes together, but it comes out different every time. In church, I know that the reason it comes out different is because different people put a demand on the anointing, and there's different things going on in the lives of those people. And as you yield to the Holy Spirit, you might have had certain things on your note, but he begins to direct you in a different way. Having said that, our ministry, although it may be the same sermon that's delivered in each campus on a Sunday morning, they come out totally different. And so we would love the opportunity to be able to stream from that church as well. And so if uh, that's what we are going to be doing with the funds that come in through that particular offering on uh, Easter Sunday. So we just wanted to let you know that, and there's information about that in the bulletin. And I want to share it in advance so you can begin asking the Lord now, what would you have us to do? What, would we, what should we sow in order to be a part of that? And at this time, I'm turning the service to my husband. What a powerful sermon he's about to bring forth. It is absolutely life-changing. 
And we love you all. We pray you have a blessed week. We will be here. Garland and I will be here Tuesday night. If people want to come, you can. Um, Sometimes it's just me and him sitting here doing service on Tuesday night, and we're okay with that. We come live on Tuesday nights. And then on Wednesday, um, we will have a Supernatural Wednesday. So come Wednesday night. Come expecting a miracle. Come expecting a breakthrough. And I bet y'all can't wait to see what's going to happen in the service this morning. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. And in it, and no matter what people say or what people are doing, we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so it's an exciting time that we're living in. I believe that we're living in a time where that uh, we're going to see major transition in the world, but we're all also going to be a part of a major outpouring of God's Spirit, uh, which I'm excited about. I think good days are ahead. Amen? Somebody say amen. Good to have each of you here this morning. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go with me. Uh, first, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2, and I uh, know curiosity about the saddle up here. I don't know what happened to my bridle. Uh, uh, it's disappeared on me, so uh, somebody will be bringing the horse in in a minute. In Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians is the six pillars of the church. If you just begin to read Ephesians, you begin to understand how the, the church is to, supposed to be set up, how, it's suppo- how we as believers are supposed to believe and understand in the word. So in verse 1 it says, and you, have, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. So for all believers, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've now moved, into, moved through a transition in life where that you were dead in sin but now you've come alive in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The word says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, in the midst of that, we find that we have altar calls. We have people come down for salvation. We pray for people. We do all these various different things in in our services. But there's an area where I think that the church has failed in, and this is it. We get people to come down to an altar, we lay hands on them, we pray for them, they repeat the sinner's prayer, they accept the Lord as their personal Savior, we turn them around, send them back to the seat, so everything has changed. Well, how do you deal with with in the mind and in the life of an individual that has come out of sin, changing the way they think so that sin has no more authority in their life? Well, some say, well, we do that through d- discipleship. We do that through classes, which is true. But I think one of the things that's important in a church is that we get people to understand who they are. When that word says old things have passed away, all things have become new, it doesn't limit any area in our life. Well, all's come new in my heart, but I'm still dealing with this or I'm still dealing with that. And so we have to get people into a place where that these things no longer plague them. They no longer uh, uh, hold on to them. All those things no longer hold on to them. So the, the word says, when it's dealing with demon spirits, it says when you cast out a devil, 
that it goes out into wondrous places, some, some in marshes, some in various different conditions, and find that they have no place to dwell. And they go and get seven more more powerful than they and come back to reoccupy the territory that they've been cast out of. So what do you do in dealing with those areas? The bottom line is we have to go to truth, what the Bible says. Truth, the only truth that exists is the word of God. Making sense here. There's a lot of things that are being said, a lot of things that are being done in our world, in our nation but when we as believers go to truth, it gives us hope for tomorrow. It gives us uh, understanding that our future is going to be bright. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Where it, in verse 2, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So it's saying here that we've come out of that, that when Christ has come into our life, there should be freedom. There should be a place that those things are cut off in our life, that we think differently, that the word talks about here, the lust in our flesh and in our mind. Fulfilling the lust of our flesh and in our mind. So the process of our thinking, the process of our life is, is, is we, we start thinking thoughts, comes through eye gates, ear gates, wherever, and then our imagination begins to run. But if we don't catch it or capture it in our thought life, it drops down into our soul. So I have to abide by 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is something that has you captive. It might not operate 24 hours a day in your life, but it will control you and cause you to do things that later on you say, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep acting that way? Why do I have such anger? Why do I have such things in my life? taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ, casting down imaginations and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So first off, as a believer, when, you, when you're born again, you have to begin to read the Word of God. I can't emphasize that enough. Just coming to church on a Sunday is not enough. You can't, you can't fix things in an hour service, hour and a half service, and think that it's going to maintain you all the rest of the week. You have to have an appetite for the Word of God. We have to dig into the Word. We have to discover the hidden treasures that are in the Word of God. The Word of God, the King James talks about it as being the mysteries of the kingdom. They're treasures that, are, that have been hidden but believers can find them with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to, to search for those things, God begins to reveal that, and then it becomes revelation to us. Revelation is something that had been hidden but is now revealed. And so the Word of God now comes into our life, and it reveals the purpose of God for our life so that we can be free. Somebody say, I'm going to be free. So it goes on in verse 3, among whom also we had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So lust is not just in the flesh, but it's in the mind also. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loves us. Now, now there's, a, there's topics that are being taught about grace and mercy now. And, and if you're paying attention to what's being taught, uh, you'll begin to see that some are portraying that because we're under grace, you can do what you want to do, live how you want to live, act how you want to act. That is not true. Paul says very clearly, he says, should we abuse grace? And he says, God forbid that we do that. So there are guidelines how God wants us to live. Now, this is not a, a closed line message, okay? But I'm just saying there are things that we have to do as an individual to deal with our soul. When I start dealing with my soul, it begins to open up my eyes, my spiritual eyes, that I can see things how God wants me to see them, not through the glasses of how I was raised. Political issues. People vote based upon how they were raised. No matter, no matter what's taking place, that's how they're going to vote. They, they were raised Democrat. They were raised Republican. They're going to hang with that because that's what mama did. That's what daddy did. That's what grandpa did. All these things. And I'm not going political here today, although it could easily go that way. But, and, and I look at it this way. You know, right wing, left wing, it's all part of the same bird. We need to get and begin to understand what God wants and move in that direction of what God says. Am I making sense here? So we can also take those things that are handed down from generation to generation and begin to operate in those areas and justify that because grandma did that, grandpa did that, mom did that, daddy did that. So that's my inheritance. That's what I'm supposed to do. Now, we might not consciously say it in that way, but we begin to do those things whether we realize it or not. You ever, you ever, in my life, I have come up and I've said, when I get older, I'll never say that to my children. <laughs> and just when you start having children, it's like, where'd that come from? You know, because we were raised in an environment and that has become a part of us no matter what we're thinking, it's still in us. So sinful nature, if we're not watching, will try to rise its ugly head in our life when we're not thinking about it. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great uh, love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. So it's by the grace of God that we're saved. It's by his love that he has for us that he comes into our life to remodel and to change who we are. This is, this is the plan of God, to bring us back into right relationship with God, how God intended with Adam and Eve. But because Adam and Eve disobeyed, we now are having to deal with some issues. Now, we can't blame it all on Adam and Eve because in time, we might have done the same things. Walked away and disobeyed. How many of us, no, don't answer that, have ever disobeyed God? And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that the age to come he might show exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace 
are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are this workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now we, when you start reading Ephesians, you begin to understand how he wants us to live, how he wants us to walk, how he wants to live in us, that it's his grace that he's given us this gift of salvation for the transforming of our life to bring us back into right relationship with the Father. Man, what a, what a moment when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything should change in our life. But if we don't have the knowledge of what, how we should change, or what we should change into, then we keep those old habits that we've been having. We keep those old strongholds. But the moment that I understand or get to the place that my knowledge begins to increase, the word says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge or the lack of understanding. Now we talk about faith, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we hear the word of God, our knowledge should increase. But at the same parallel of our knowledge increasing, our faith should be increasing also based upon the knowledge that we have. I can't allow my faith to go any further than the knowledge I have. So my knowledge is the barometer or the gauge in which my faith begins to activate in. So my knowledge, when it increases, my faith is going to increase. When my understanding increases, my faith is going to increase. And, and, and the word says, and if you have faith, you treat it as a servant. You send him out to go and do what he's supposed to do and bring back to you what you intended for him to bring to you. So our faith now becomes a servant to you. And sometimes that's hard to digest on that. But I want to go, I want to, go to, to Revelations. And just quickly, i got so much more in, in this passage, it might have to break this one up into two or maybe three messages here. I used to do a lot of illustrated sermons when I was in better shape, and uh, so therefore I haven't had one in a long time. But uh, Revelations chapter 12, I'm sorry, chapter 12 and verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying, saying in heaven, now has come salvation and the strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He doesn't slack up. Day and night, if you're a believer, he's accusing you. He's coming with accusations to, to God himself about you. Remember the story about Job? The devil was roaming around and, 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 and God, God says to him, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking for somebody that will curse you. In so many words in the, in the scripture. This is what he's saying. He says, look, have you, have you, have you looked at my servant Job? <laughs> and, the, and the devil says, if you turn him loose to me, I'll have him curse you. We know the story. Begin, events begin to take place in Job's life and Things were taken out of his life, destroyed in his life. Job in himself is wrestling with what's going on. His wife is telling him, why don't you curse God? 
all these things are coming against him from every level that you can be bombarded with. But Job stood the course. Now for us, we need to stay the course. We need to stay in the position that God wants us to be in so that we can reap the harvest that he wants us to reap. So we see in the end that Job was given twice, double. You know, we're living in a season right now of double portion, double portion season. So if we can get that fixed in our faith and begin to start calling those things in, you're going to start seeing increase begin to come into your life. I believe that that's the era, that the time that we're in right now. Second Timothy, second Timothy. I want to look at uh, chapter one, and then we're going to go to verse seven. <clears throat> For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us by Jesus Christ before the world began. You say, well, now where are you going with this? Every one of us in here has a calling on our life. It's a holy calling. You might not, might not be a pastor, might not be an evangelist, might not be whatever. God has a specific task for you to do in this world. It might be in the political arena. It might be just with friends. It might be a, a mirage of various different things that all of us are supposed to be involved in. Now, we're not all going to be involved in the same thing. But every one of us have a task, a holy calling upon our life. And we need to find that and begin to operate in that. Ultimately, our calling is to get people saved, get them set free, get them delivered. Anybody agree with that? So in, in what we're going to talk about here today, if I find that there are, are two basic uses for the prophetic. The first, the first is for revealing the present or future strategic will of, of the Lord in certain matters, which revelations are also given for illuminating doctrine that is taught in the scriptures, but, but, but may not have been clearly understood yet. <coughs> there are things that are in scripture today that we're looking at that previous generations did not understand. Now, I'm not saying that this generation is brighter than the previous generation. But what I am saying is that closer you get to the end day, more revelation is revealed. So we're able to see things on a different level than what any generation has seen before. So for us to be in this time where that, that the cap is being pulled off and we're able to see things, and you could go in Scripture and begin to find exactly where we are in the times that we're living in today. The Word says that the sons of Essachar understood the times and the seasons, but they also knew what to do. The times and seasons. Do you know what to do in the times and seasons that are happening right now? Do you know how to prepare yourself? Do you know how to prepare yourself for tomorrow? So this is where we need to be as believers. 
<coughs> beginning to move into a place that we understand where we are, we understand why the battle we're fighting, why the lines are being drawn in the sand, and how do we need to handle that as a believer. First off, we need to stand strong in the Word of God, not allowing any influence from outside to come in and interfere with the belief system that we have based upon the Word of God. The world system, the world system that we have today is in total confusion. It's in total, it's totally upside down. When you see on, on, on the agenda of people that are taking place with movies and cartoons and everything else that's going on, you find that there is an agenda that's underlying here to cause such perversion to take place that that becomes the normal for everyone. It's not normal. According to the Word of God, it's not normal. If you have a question about some of it, read Romans chapter 1. Very, very explicit of what it's talking about here of how we need to live and how we don't need to live. Paul says something in Romans chapter 7 and then in chapter 8. He says, from whence is this warring in my members? He says, the things I want to do, I'm not doing them. The things that I don't want to do, I'm doing them all the time. He calls himself a wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this bondage of sin? Then the transition takes place from chapter 7 to chapter 8. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And what happened? There was a transformation of the old man into the new man. Old things are passed away. All things now have become new in his life. And so from that point, you begin to see a radical change in Paul's life from what he was to what he, what he became, okay? So now, when we're looking at, when we're looking at prophetic, we're looking at, 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 at the Word of God, the Word says that the foundations are built upon the apostles and the prophets. One without the other leads into danger. It, lead, it leads into sensationalism. The apostle now begins to bring things back into order with the Word of God, bringing it to a place of what we know, what we understand in the Word. So we, we execute things that are not according to the Word of God. We, when I say execute, I'm not saying fulfill it. What I'm saying is we cut off those things and begin to bring the Word back into balance of what God is actually saying. Every word that we hear is interpreted based upon our history past. Until you are set free from your past and are able to look at the word without having any regard of what you, your glasses uh, portray. That makes sense here. We look through life through the lens of our history past. We accept people or reject people based upon our history past. We, we will adventure out. We will hold ourselves still based upon our history past and based upon our belief systems. But here's the, here's the thing. When the word says, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. As an individual believer, I have to work on me to get those things out of me in order to get the Word of God in me that I can see it clearly. 
Jesus went to a city and, and they brought to him after, after they rejected Christ, they're walking out of the city and the disciples bring a blind man to him. I say this all the time, but it's very, very interesting here. He brings a blind man to him and they say, what can I do for you? <clears throat> Goes on and Jesus spits in the man's eyes. I don't know. The second person that he, he spit on the ground and made mud, spittle, put it in one man's eye, told him to go wash, and he was made whole. Now he spits in this other guy's uh, eyes. I thought we'd have an altar call today and we'd try this thing out. No, I'm just teasing. And he spits in this man's eyes, and then he asked him, what do you see? He said, I see men walking as trees. They walk a little bit longer with him. And Jesus lays hands on him and now says, tell me what you see. And he says, I see clearly now. So what's happening in that story? It's more than just the, just the obvious. What's happening is as long as they walked with the word, Jesus being the word, as long as they walk with the word, more revelation begins to come. So he says, tell me what you see the first time. I see men walking as, as trees. He had a distorted view about what was taking place. When we first get saved, we have a distorted view about what should be taking place because it's skewed by our life in the past. But as long as I walk with the Word, come on, as long as I'm walking with the Word, I'm studying the Word, getting the Word in me, removing those things that are giving me certain opinions and certain thoughts, but now having the mind of Christ in me, the word in me, I can now walk with expectations that I'm going to see clearly. How do you see clearly? By studying the word, understanding the word. I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. We have to study the word. You can't just come to church and think you got it all together. There's people that are in church that are still messed up. And that's where they need to be. They need to be in church until they get it all cleaned up. But the process of this is dealing with our soul, dealing with deep inside. And so we find that the enemy comes in and he brings different attacks. He starts on us when we're young. He starts in our life and he brings divisions. And in, in divisions, he separates us. And in these divisions, it's almost as though there are different troops that are carrying different banners. And one of them is named Divisions. And they march under the banner of pride, self-righteousness, respectability, selfish ambition, unrighteous judgment, and jealousy. All of that comes underneath that one banner. Okay? So uh, here, here in Ephesians 6, 12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness, that's in high places. That tells us the order of demonic forces, that there are different principalities over regions, over nations, over states, over cities, and then there, then there are, are powers, and then there are, are different levels of demonic forces that come down to the place that you and I have to deal with some of those in our own personal life. Now, I'm not saying people are demon-possessed. What I'm saying is, that the devil doesn't give up. He's going to be the accuser of the brethren, and he's going to try, to try to infiltrate your life with his thoughts, his mind, 
and his ways. He wants to bring you into a world that's his. I don't want to go in his world anymore. Amen? I want, I want the world that God's created for me to walk in. There are many more of these evil divisions beyond the, the scope of, of our vision of what we can see. But the leader of this army is the accuser of the brethren himself. This is the devil himself. He wants to bring accusation. Now, I'm taking a moment just to start laying out some things here. Uh, uh, there's, there's a place where that there are intimidations. There's spears named treachery that comes in. There's arrows which are named accusation, gossip, slander, fault-finding, scouts of smaller companies of demons which uh, have names of rejection, bitterness, impatience, unforgiveness, and lust were sent in advance of the army to prepare for a main attack. This is how they work, how they operate. So you say, well, why do you have a saddle up here? I have a saddle up here to show you how some of these things work in our life. Before we're saved, there are things that come into our life where demon spirits, I'm not saying demons have entered into your life. I'm not saying that, that you're possessed or anything like that. In my personal opinion, I don't believe Christians can be demon-possessed, okay? Because when that word says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed, and we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's in, in the salvation point here. All of that takes place. Now, the devil can only take territory of what you give him or what you allow him to take. So if you want to play on that side defense, be aware. You're playing on his ball court. Ball court. I'm not going close to that fence because I know the dangers that's on the other side of that fence and the luring to get you across that fence. Making sense here. So these spirits come in, and just like an animal, the word says, the word says that a bridle, a bridle in a horse's mouth begins to turn the whole horse. Just like a rudder on a ship, even though it's small, it'll turn a massive ship. Now, it may take time for it to turn it, but it's going to turn it. A bridle in a horse's mouth, when you pull on the reins, will cause that horse either to stop or turn whichever direction you pull those reins in. Making sense? So these, these spirits come in, and they take these saddles, and they, they don't care who they put it on. And they'll put it on you, and they'll ride you long enough that you get used to them riding you. I've, I've, watched, I've watched a lot of uh, uh, programs where they're training horses and these horse whisperers are, are, are working with the horses. And so they'll put a blanket. They'll rub their backs and, and all get them used to it. And they'll put the blanket on. Then they put the saddle on. The horse is really a little bit uncomfortable because they don't know what's going on. But eventually, they get that saddle tied on their back. And that horse, that horse will get used to it after a while. And to the point where that a person could get on that horse. It might buck a little bit. It might fuss a little, kick a little bit, whatever. But eventually, he's going to get used to it. Uh, uh, one, of the, one of the actors and singers in Hollywood said years ago when MTV came on, said the parents will not like it, but if we keep it going, they're going to get used to it. And look what we've got now. 
We got all kinds of stuff taking place. Well, what happened was they put a saddle on the back of, of people and they, they get them used to it. There's little things that come into our life that the devil wants you to get used to. He wants you to get used to the TV programs, the commercials that have all kinds of seductive things on. Why? Because he's trying to introduce you to lust. He's trying to get it in your mind and get it to where you act it out in your flesh. Making sense? So he takes the saddle, puts it on, and then he begins to ride you. And so well, I'm not letting anybody ride on, on my back. You, you had the people that, that, that uh, in some of the cartoons that you had a little angel pop up on one side and a little devil pop up, and both of them's talking, you know. And depends on which one you listen to is which way you're going to go. So this is what's happening. I mean, they were portraying this thing incredibly back in the day. You don't have those kinds. Now you've got, you've got little dead people, walk, 13 dead people walking around, and you open the program, you've got a baphomet that's out there. There is, a, there is an influx of witchcraft in our society today like we have never seen before. It's infiltrating very heavily right now. It's coming in, recruiting people. What's happening is demons are placing a saddle on the backs of people and gets on them and begins to ride them, pulls the reins, turns us, which way? Where do, you, where do you want me to look today? And turns us towards this or turns us towards that. And through our eye gates, we're now having to deal with the thoughts that have been processed by what we have just seen. Rides us for a while. Rides us for a period of time. Pulls us, pulls us. You know, in some of these uh, programs with the horses that, where they're training them, it gets to a place that, that the, the rider can put the bridle on the neck of the horse and just sit and lean, and the horse will go whichever way he's leaning. If he leans back, the horse stops. Leans forward, it's time to go. Leans to the right, he's going to go to the right. Leans to the left, man, that kind of a horse would come for a good price now. It goes to the left. But what's happened was that horse is getting so used to the master that it doesn't even take the master holding the reins any longer. So the devil comes in with his little imps of selfishness, lust, pride, unforgiveness, all these little things, and keeps us bound through these areas, but puts the saddle on our back and causes us to observe things that people have said, things that people have done, how we've been treated, all these various different things. And now we're having to deal with unforgiveness, pride, envy, jealousy, all these various different things are coming forth and we're now having to deal with it on a level that we didn't deal with it before and we think we're about free from it and he gets us in the grocery store and turns us down the aisle and there's so-and-so that just said something ugly about us a few weeks ago and now it comes up again. And so what's happening is, is getting us into practice where that we're so used to it, it doesn't, we don't pay attention to it anymore. Look, I was driving down the street the other day, and this is, it's hysterical but sad at the same time. A person in their vehicle by themselves with their mask on. All right, let's, talk, let's think about that for a moment. How we have been trained in the past two and a half years that people are just doing it out of second nature. And I'm, I, you put the saddle on. Rehearse everything every day. 
<clears throat> you get used to it, 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 and now you don't even think of it anymore because it's second nature. Have you ever been driving your car, going somewhere else, but you got to pass the exit where you live, you live, and you forget about something of where you're going, and next thing you know, you're in your own driveway, and you say, how did I get here? It's out of habit. It's out of second nature. It's out of, out of being brought to the place where you live. <clears throat> Making sense here? The devil works in our life in that manner that he gets us to a place where we don't even think about what we're doing anymore. We just do it. He can even get to a place where that he's going to go find somebody else. He's got you trained. He doesn't need to waste his time on you anymore. He's going to go find another Christian somewhere to put that saddle on their back and begin to train them how to think and what to do in their life so that eventually the whole church is even divided. Well, you know, <laughs> healing is not for today. <laughs> you know, prophets died off back then. Come on, really? Really, I don't think the Word of God has changed. The Word says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, that's God, but His ways hadn't changed either. So He's going to speak, and when He speaks, He's going to speak to His servants, the prophets, and the foundations of the church are built upon the apostles and the prophets. Anytime you get one without the other, you could have some, some, some problems there because I've seen I've seen people that, that have an awesome, awesome gift but begin to use that gift for manipulation. So is that God? No. It's become witchcraft now. Witchcraft is, is basically manipulating the mind to cause somebody to believe something that is against what they should be believing. We've dealt with a lot of witches in New Orleans. We've had them come to church. We had services where the whole group of them would come in. But God showed up, began to perform miracles, and then they begin to ask, hey, how'd you do that? <laughs> it's not me doing it, babe. It was the Spirit of God doing those things. You know, just what the enemy wants to do is cause our mind to be trained to do things on a regular basis to keep us out of the will of God. And what happens is condemnation begins to come, which is, a, which is a weapon that the enemy uses against believers. When you don't know the difference between condemnation and conviction, you don't understand what's going on. The enemy wants to condemn you to keep you down. God comes to convict you to change you from the place of being down to the place of being above the problems and not beneath the problems. Am I making any sense here? So the devil wants to use these tactics to cause even the church to have such division, to cause families to have division, to cause husbands and wives to be at odds with each other, to cause the children to be at odds with the parent. And I don't know if you notice what's taking place in our world today, but they're trying to get things passed without the parent's approval in schools today that they can even have hormone adjustments in their body without parents even knowing. Now, I think that's a little bit too far. Not just a little bit, that's way too far. 
We send our kids to school to be educated with reading, writing, and arithmetic, not to be, not to be educated in their sexual orientation. That should be taking place at home with the parents. That's just my opinion. In reality, the enemy wants to get us as far off from truth as we can. In our, in our house, when my kids were growing up and, and uh, things would begin to happen, I'd have to have a, a family meeting. We'd sit down at the table and we'd have to discuss what's truth. What is truth here? Mom and dad love you. You got a spanking because you were out of line. You talked back to your mother. But truth is, I love you. And if I wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't love you that much. Because I'm trying to get you to a place that, you're on, that you not only honor your mother and your father, but you honor authority figures in your life. That you won't have problems with police and you won't have problems with everything else that's going on. Hear what I'm saying. As, as believers, we have to go to truth. Where is truth? Truth is in the word of God. Truth is not coming out of Washington. It's not coming out of Russia. It's not coming out of any other location. Truth comes out of the word of God. And if I get away from the word of God, I'm going to get in trouble. Hear what I'm saying? We're in trouble today because we have abolished the word of God. We have taken the word of God and put it on a back burner, even though it's still a top number one seller in the world, the word of God. That ought to tell us something. But at the moment that we push the word of God aside and say it's not valid in schools is the moment that we begin to open up doors that we find other things that become or take precedent over the word of God. I don't know about y'all, but I get motivated with some of this. The primary stage of these armies is to cause division on every possible uh, uh, level uh, with uh, uh, relationships, with churches, with each other, with congregations, with pastors, with husbands and wives and children and parents, and even children with each other. The scouts, the scouts, these demonic forces uh, uh, locate openings that they can enter in. In the times that we're living in, we cannot afford to have any openings. The Bible says sin lieth at the door. It's waiting for an opportunity for you to take a moment to crack the door open just to peek out for a minute. Then it sticks its foot in the, in the door, keeping you from closing it. Don't even open the door. Here, look, we got a mess in our world. And the way that it's going to change is going to change with the local church. The way that's going to change is going to change with individuals saying, you know what? God is my source. God is the power that I follow after. I'm, I'm going to follow after Yeshua. I'm going to follow after him and let him be first and foremost in my life. And I'm going to allow his word to regulate what I'm going to do and not going to do. Hey, look, we got so many laws on the books today that it would choke a horse trying to, trying to go through some of this stuff. If we would just abide by the word of God, we'd have peace all over the place. Then we start talking about religion. Religion is a source of many battles. And it's not about religion, it's about a relationship. So, so get off of the religion horse and get on a relation horse with God and allow your relationship with him to increase on every hand. Is it making sense? 
I believe God has some great things in store for us as believers. But we have to invest time in the word. When you invest time in the word, God begins to direct your steps. The word says that the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. It's ordered by the Lord. That a righteous man's prayers, a righteous man or woman, the prayers availeth much. Which tells us that you can be a religious person and might not have your prayers producing very much. But the moment that you start walking in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, then your prayers take on a whole different personality and your different faith level comes in and becomes active. The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Let's move into that category. That we become righteous people. That we're not allowing little things to come into our life. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, just for a moment, flashing by, this, the horseman, he gets on, he's got spurs. That he's going to kick that horse into obedience. Then pull those reins how he wants to pull the reins. Anytime the enemy comes in, he's going to come in with his spurs on. He's going to come in trying to kick you into obedience. The Bible tells us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you don't know who you are in Christ and you don't know the purpose or, or the design order for your life, it's going to be hard sometimes to resist him. Here, if you're a believer, the power is within you to push him back. The power is within you to push him back. I never did like bullies in school. Always stood up for the underdogs. I remember one time, just funny here, just I saw my sister back there and I thought just for a moment, I remember a young guy that was picking on her at school one time and I picked him up and put him in the locker and locked him in the locker. He was, he was big enough to get in the locker or small enough to get in the locker. But what, what, why, why do some of these things, picking on people? This is what the devil is. He's a bully. And he'll push as much as you let him push. But the moment that you stand up and start pushing back, the enemy's going to flee. Why? Because when you understand the power of God that is in you, when you understand that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, when you understand greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and you start taking your, your posture, the devil, you've come too close. You've come too close to me. You've come too close to my family. And now I'm about to run you out of here. We had a gentleman years ago who moved in next door to us. Seemed like a nice couple, nice people. Until I heard him beating his wife in the house, inside of my house, I could hear it, scaring my family. My kids were little. Bev was nervous. The kids were getting nervous. I went over and knocked on the door. I said, hey, man. I said, it seemed like y'all have some problems in here. I said, y'all need to hold it down. He said, we mind my own business. I said, I'm, I'm minding my business because your business done got on my property now. And all you screaming and hollering and all this stuff is getting into my house. Now it's become my business. And so we talked a little bit. I said, look, 
be glad to help you if I can. I'm a pastor. I, I can get you, get you guys with a counselor or whatever. And again, told, told me to mind my own business. I said, well, let me tell you what my business is. Next time, next time that I hear all this going on, I will be calling the police. The next night, they started round two. I called the police. And at that time, they changed the laws. They didn't just take one that was accused of being the instigator. They took both off. So two squad cars came out, loaded them up in the car. I went out on the front porch and waved at them as they passed by. The reality of it is I'm not going to allow anything to come in to interfere with my family or to invoke fear into my family. I began to walk around that property. I began to walk up and down the side of my property and across the sidewalk. God, get these people out of here. Two days later, the for sale sign came up on their property. I said, Lord, I don't want anybody else in this neighborhood like this. I want to get the house sold quickly and get it to somebody that's a believer. And I mean, three days they sold the house. People that moved in were good Christian people. You know, God will answer your prayers, but you have to make a stand. Now, I'm not saying you need to go knock on your neighbor's doors. What I am saying is that you need to understand that the devil can't cross over the bloodline. That if you make a stand, his blood covers you. The word says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. There's about to be some confessions that's going to be coming out that I believe is going to astound people of what people are saying. And I think that we also need to start looking at some signs that God is going to bring forth in the times that we're living in. And there's going to be some deaths that's going to take place that God's going to remove people from the picture. And that's going to be a sign that God has all this stuff in control. I think we're going to see some from overseas that's going to astound people, but I think we're also going to see some that's on our territory that the Lord is going to remove them out of the picture. And it's going to cause a shaking to begin to take place of what's going on. We can't hide. Yep, you can't hide from what God is doing. And I believe that what's going to take place in our world today is there's going to be a shaking, but it's going to be a good shaking. And people are going to try to hide and they're going to try to run, but they can't hide because there's been too much exposure that has come out. It's about to unfold. And we're about to see some things that's going to be so phenomenal that people are going to start shaking and wondering what is up. Let me tell you, we need to look up because he's what's up. <laughs> God's in control. And God's about had enough of what's taking place, but yet he's also been holding back so that he, his net can catch them all. What's happening is the enemy has come in and saddled many people to believe certain things, to allow things in their life, to keep them turning and looking at things that are damaging their soul. You need to let the devil get off of your back. You need to get the impression of a saddle off of you also and start cleansing yourself with the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to wash your mind, to wash your soul. When I read that first scripture, it says that the lust of the flesh, but also the corruption of the flesh and in the mind. It tells us right there that we need to cleanse our mind. Paul says that he washes his mind, that he he cleanses himself every day. 
Why? Because we don't, we don't have, we cannot, cannot afford to have an opportunity for the enemy to come in and plant a seed in our garden. If not, it'll begin to grow and then we have to deal with the root system. But the word covers us, uh, covers us there also. It says if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can speak to the sycamine tree and it will be uprooted. So if there's things in your life that should not be there that have a root system, start speaking to it by faith that it's going to be uprooted, that it will not plague your life any longer. I'm going to, I'm going to close down in this today. I hope that you're getting something from this. And I hope you understand that in the accusations, the gossip, the slander, all of these various different things leads us to a place to get us into a mode of not forgiving people, justifying our feelings because of their actions. But the word says, if you do not forgive, then your heavenly father cannot forgive you of your trespasses. So it tells us no matter how much you pray, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, your prayers are not going to be answered either. Why, why do we hold on to things that damage our soul? It's because we have been trained to hold on to things. We've been trained to justify our feelings, to justify our position. But when you start looking in the Word of God, it pulls you away from your justification and brings you to a place that you become justified in his righteousness. That you move into a place that you're seeking after holiness and seeking after his presence in your life. You see, you can come to church and feel the presence of God, but the question is, are you feeling it in your home too? You see, we got to feel the presence of God wherever we go. We have to have the presence of God in our home, in our car, everywhere we go. In fact, we need to be like David when David began to understand how to carry the presence of God. The word says he brought the Ark of the Covenant, put it on a new cart, brought it by, by uh, the threshing floor. All of a sudden, the shaking began to take place. Uzzah loses his life because he tries to stabilize the Ark. And then they bring it to, to Obadidim's house. And the word says that everything that pertained to Obadidim's house was blessed. Why? Because the presence of God was there. David was in a quandary trying to figure out how to get the presence of God back into Israel. And he went back to read and began to understand. Got the different ones to come and bring scripture to him, word to him. How do I do this? The Levites was the only ones that could carry the presence of God. They took two rods and put it through the rings and they bowed themselves down and they were all in one accord. Isn't that something? How they, when they put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, they all came up together at the same time. Isn't it interesting? In Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place, all in one accord, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them. We need to move into that place that our home is in one accord, that the presence of God fills our home. That when people walk into the room, into our house, they feel something different. They don't want to leave because the presence of God is there. When they get in your presence, when you walk into a room, the atmosphere of that room should change. Why? Because you're a carrier of the presence of God. When you go into that business deal, they want to trust you because you're carrying something that other people are not carrying. 
you carrying the presence of God that causes them to trust you to sign that contract and give you, give you the work. Ah, I believe God wants to bless us. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? My little illustration. I don't know where my bridle ended up. But I'm hoping this gives you a picture in your mind that you can grab a hold of and understand that the devil, he's walking around. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, he's walking around trying to find somebody that he could ride, that he could saddle up on. He could train to have a mindset of the world instead of having a mindset of Christ. Oh, he's good at it. It'll open up little doors. And if you allow it to come in, it'll become a big door that you have to shut. It's easier to deal with it as a thought than it is to deal with it when it's in your heart. Let God begin to work in your life tonight. If there's areas in your life that you're saying, you know what, God? Man, I need to be cautious and watch what's going on because I'm thinking in certain ways I don't need to be thinking in. And I'm not talking about in, in horrible ways that the world will say, well, that's a bad thing. That's a bad way. I'm talking about in little things. Looking at people, what they're saying and saying, you know what? I don't want to be around them. May not be around them, but don't let them be in your heart where it becomes a problem in your heart. If that's where you're at today and, and you're saying, you know what? I just need a closer walk with God. I need to get rid of some of this stuff and begin to move on with him so that I can be free from all these things. Right, right, right where you're standing, let's just lift our hands and begin to talk to the Lord today. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I ask you right now that you begin to move inside of our heart and outside of our soul. Help us in our mind, Lord, that we evaluate every thought that comes in, that we cast down those things that exalt itself against you, Lord taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Lord, help us to, to, to be quick to move in dealing with those thoughts and get them out of our system, Lord. Father, help us, Lord, that we have the strength, the power within, within us that we're like Paul, that we're, we're washing our mind with your word. We're cleansing ourselves every day. We're renewing our mind. Father, move upon us today, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're stirring. I thank you, Lord, that you're not finished with this nation. I thank you that you're not finished with this region, that you're going to do great and marvelous things, Lord. You're going to cause people to rejoice. You're going to cause people to begin to move in dimensions that they've never walked in before. Father, I ask you today that your spirit would come upon each individual here that you'd begin to speak to them, that you'd begin to talk to them. Lord, guide their steps. Lord, your word says the steps of a righteous man is ordered by you. We ask you, O oh God, as we come into alignment with you, that you'd begin to order our steps, O oh God. Move upon us today. Father, if there's someone in here that, that has walked away from you and wavered, Lord, I ask you, Lord, that you'd begin to deal with their heart and quicken in their soul to move back in the right relationship with you, O oh God. And Father, we give you praise. We give you glory for what you're doing. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have the A-Bears to come today. It's good to see everybody. I'm going to slip out and head to New Orleans. Wednesday night, we have service. We'll be praying for the sick. 
believe in God to do miracles. And uh, so y'all come and I don't know, we need a microphone, I believe, uh, for them. Those of you that have been watching by YouTube, Facebook, whatever it means it is, thank you for joining us today. We love you. Believe it, God's got some great things in store for each of you also. Amen. 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 I really appreciate it.